we're in the book of Exodus, and here in chapter 13, Pharaoh has finally made the decision to let the people go. So they're on their way out. This begins in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, though that was the shorter route. For God had said, uh, if war would come, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way along a desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites left Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made them swear an oath, saying, God will surely come to your aid one day, and when he does, you must carry my bones up with you. So they left Sukkoth and encamped at Etham. And the Lord guided them by day with a pillar of um, cloud to guide them and by night with a pillar of fire to light the way so that they could travel by day or by night. And neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. About a week ago, we had just finished an eight-and-a-half-hour flight from Nairobi to Amsterdam. And as they uh, turned off the fastened seatbelt sign and everybody stood up, uh, the man in the row behind me, and whom we had met in the airport, they were on a mission trip, from, had been from Portland uh, all the way to Nairobi, uh, asked me, how long is your layover? And I told him, five hours. And then he said, and what happens after that? And I said, well, then it's 10 hours to Atlanta and another three to San Antonio. And he looked at me and grinned and said, you need a new travel agent. I suspect Moses and the people thought the same thing. The trip that would take them back to the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the land from which Joseph had come, was a well-known route um, that connected Egypt to Syria and would take about Ten days, God took them on another route, and it took them 40 years. They needed a different travel agent. Now, I suspect, thinking back on it, that our travel agent who works for a mission board in, in Philadelphia and makes these arrangements may have very good reasons for doing what he does. Uh, perhaps we save money by traveling the way we do, or maybe he just wants to make sure we have plenty of time to make connections I'm sure he's got reasons, even though at that moment I was not understanding them. Uh, But in the same way, God has reasons for this very long journey. And now the rationale that God gives to the people is, I'm not going to take you this way because if war breaks out with the Philistines, you may change your mind and want to go back to Egypt. But what's interesting is about another two verses later, the Bible tells you that that Israel left Egypt ready for battle. It's almost as if the Bible nods and winks at you and says, God's given them a reason, but that's not the whole story. That's just as much as they could swallow at that moment. So what reasons could God possibly have for this long route? And why am I so interested? Well, I'm interested because often in our life, we don't find that we're where we think we ought to be at the time we think we ought to be there. Oftentimes our experience is that the things we think God is going to bring us haven't yet come. And, and they seem far off in the horizon. Oftentimes our experience is we're not in our promised land yet. We're somewhere along the way. 
Could God have reasons? Well, one of the reasons will become obvious next week. And that is by taking the long route, by moving along a desert road to the Red Sea, God gives Pharaoh time to be, well, just to be himself, to break his word again. And so Pharaoh will decide, I'm going to go get him and bring him back. And that will lead Pharaoh, as we go next week, into a confrontation with God at the Red Sea. But I think there's even more reasons than that. I want to share with you a couple this morning because I think they help me understand in my life when I'm not quite at my promised land what God may be doing. And here's the first reason. It seems obvious to me when we, uh, in the weeks ahead, watch the people of Israel in the desert, we'll find that they're whiny, they're disobedient, they're not trustworthy, they can't get along with each other. Basically, when we watch the Israelites, we'll realize they're not ready to take possession in the promised land. They're not mature enough. They're not unified enough to move into the territory that God has promised them. A territory, by the way, that's presently occupied by enemies. So sometimes I would suspect that God doesn't give us what we want at the time we want it because it's for our own good. We may not be ready for it. I, I think this happens in life all the time. It certainly happens in the sports world. It's, it's really obvious. Now, today, millions and millions of people will turn into the Super Bowl game. Millions more will tune into the commercials. But what will happen as a result of this game is that some people will get tremendous accolades, far outweighing the relative significance to planet Earth of what they've done. And what will they do with it? What will they do with the fame, the money, the trip to Disney World, all that will come? One of the things I think that we have seen in the sports world is sometimes young athletes get more money, more power, more fame than they know how to handle. And their lives, we watch the headlines and they spiral out. Uh, just yesterday, one of the news articles in the sports page was about a college football Hall of Fame uh, member wanted now for murder. What happens? Well, I don't know all the reasons, but certainly one of the things that's happening is people get thrust into positions before they're ready to handle everything that comes with that position. I grew up in a city, and uh, so I, my parents didn't let me get behind the wheel of a car until I got in driver's ed. But I had buddies who had relatives that lived on farms, you know, and some of them have been driving pickup trucks since they were 12 years old. But I assure you that age 13, they were not ready to get behind the wheel of that pickup truck and navigate on I-35 through Austin, Texas at 3 o'clock. I assure you, as much as they had drawn, uh, driven out in the field, they weren't ready for Loop 410 at 5 o'clock. And to put them in that position, would, even if they wanted to drive, would not have been best for them. Sometimes it's just we're not ready for what God wants to give us. And so over time and through experience and through setbacks, we become ready. Uh, when I graduated in uh, school in 1980 and, and came out uh, for my first church, I was fairly well educated. I was very passionate and committed. But in no way was I ready for the kinds of things that come my way today. It just wouldn't have been smart to put me in the position I'm in today 30 years ago. Maybe that's our situation. Maybe God has some wonderful things for you, but there's some things you still need to experience on the way. That's one possibility. But there's another promise, possibility. Let me phrase it this way. What if the promised land is not all that? I mean, what if the promised land really isn't the point anyway? 
What if the journey is more the point than the promised land? Have you ever noticed that when you get focused on the destination, not the journey, you tend to miss the journey? Along the way? Has that ever happened to you? you know, when, when we're on our way to Burundi, the place I want to arrive is, is, um, is not Nairobi, and it's not the capital Burubi, uh, of Burundi, Bujumbura, though we stop there. I'm not really settled till we get to the place where we're going to spend most of our time in a, a, a place called Kayanza. And so that destination is on my mind, and I'm not completely happy till we get there. And then I notice what happens to me is after I've been there about a day, I start thinking about the route home. I get destination-oriented both ways. And when I do, I miss so much of what God is showing me along the way. We can miss what God is doing if our eyes are simply on the promised land and not on the land and the people who are around us at at the time. There is so much still to be experienced on our journey, maybe even more than will be experienced in the promised land when we get there. Along the way, if we are watching, we will learn and grow and experience so much. It's in my contract that every other year I have to remind you of this, so I'm going to do it again. Uh, One of the most impressive things I ever heard was years ago at a conference when a speaker warned us about people who divide their lives between what he called waiting to live and living. And he said, have you ever noticed there are people who are waiting to live that when their kids get out of diapers or when their kids get into school full time, when their kids get out of school full time or When they retire, there's always some future point at which their ship comes in and then they'll really live. And what's happened all along the way? What have they missed? He said there are people who spend their lives waiting to live. And then there are those people who spend their lives living every moment. I think God wanted God's people to be those kinds of folks who weren't waiting for some future event, waiting for some far off time but who were experiencing and living with God and each other in the here and now. What if the promised land really isn't the point? One of the problems that's happened to us, uh, I think, through the centuries in Christianity, is we, we made such a fuss over heaven that we completely missed the earth. We missed that God wasn't someplace way away. God was here. God was in the journey. And if you didn't believe it, there was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day to show you. Now, this is interesting to me, though, that a number of rabbis claimed that not everyone in the, in the people of God could see the pillars. They said if they would have all seen it, none of them would have revolted at leaving Egypt. All of them would have been confident as they went ahead because they would have known God's presence. And so a number of rabbis say that Really, only people who were faithful and trusting ever really saw the cloud or the fire. And the rest of them were just dazed and confused, hoping for some future event and missing God in the present moment. Sometimes the point is not, get, is not to get there. The point is the trip along the way. And coming to experience the presence of God in both your highs and your lows. If you're like me, sometimes God comes more clearly into vision in the low places anyway. 
when I'm on top and everything's going my way, I, I tend not to see God's work. It was another amazing trip to Africa. And I don't even know that I could tell you the highlights, but I can easily tell you the lowlights. Had a couple of them. Um, uh, one of them was uh, we had no internet while we were there. And that really wasn't a low light for the most part. But because we had no internet, I didn't know how the basketball team was doing. And so I, uh, I made a deal with my youngest son that after a Duke game one night on the East Coast that he would text me. And I knew the difference from Burundi to the East Coast is seven hours. Figured it's a late game. Game will be over about 11-something Eastern, about 6 in the morning in Burundi. Text me, I'm up anyway. I'll know. Well, I miscalculated. It was an early game. And so I remember one morning at 4.08, I got the wake-up text to tell me my team had lost by 30 points. That was a low light. It got lower. One day, uh, we were eating in, uh, next to the place that we stay, which was fairly crowded the whole time we were there, surprisingly, uh, except for the fact that they had a fairly big screen TV in the Africa Cup, you know, their football, soccer was going on. So they had crowds every night coming uh, to watch uh, TV. And during the day, pretty much what you drink is uh, room temperature water. Uh, so it's really neat to drink something else in the evening. Now, Bruni doesn't have ice, but they do have refrigeration, so I ordered cold Coke. And with great gusto and excitement, I was uh, ready to down that Coke. It's particularly exciting because the governor of the province, we found out, was there. Uh, He was there with a table full of dignitaries and then a table of entourage and and bodyguards and whatever else he had. And uh, so I thought it would be interesting to, to meet him. Well, before any of that could happen, I reached for my Coke and took a giant swig. And immediately, I knew what was happening. The cold had hit a nerve. I knew what would follow. My blood pressure would drop. I'd be out. It's happened before. So I'm thinking quickly, what do I do? And I thought, well, if I fall from my chair, that's a long fall. So I'm going to get up out of my chair, see if I can get closer to the ground to fall. So I kind of stumbled, made, made my way, and anyway, and fell and was out. Um, and 15, 20 seconds later, come back to, and my friends are surrounding me, and I'm telling them, I'm okay, I'm okay. A little bit of commotion. I get back to the table, and, you know, I'm a little embarrassed to look at, at the governor. The governor doesn't see me. And I figure one of two things has happened. Number one, he's thinking, geez, those crazy drunk Americans. Or he's thinking, this is a great game. Either way, his eyes never turned toward me. He missed a wonderful show and a real opportunity. But I thought, sometimes we're like that. We get fixated on something a little bit distant. And we miss what is right around us. And what we most often miss is God. You probably know that uh, very devout Jews did anything other than to call God by God's personal name. So they came up with names for God like Holy One or Mighty One or Rock. But one of my favorite names that the Jews gave God was the place. The place. It was their way of saying the promised land is not my destination. God is my destination. 
And whether I'm in the valley or whether I'm on top of the mountain or whether I'm traveling someplace in between, I am at home when my eyes are open and I can see God. And I even believe that the purpose of our life's journey is not to get somewhere, but to see God along the way. So whenever that day comes and I reach that promised land and I see God in fullness, my eyes are already adjusted to the light.